Hello and welcome to Front Page Radio with your host, international author, broadcaster, and journalist Dan Wooding, the founder of Assist Ministries and the Assist News Service. Dan, who was born in Nigeria of British missionary parents, was raised in England and later worked for some of Great Britain's largest newspapers. He has been a journalist covering the world for some 47 years now with a focus on persecuted Christians and missions. And now, here's Dan Wooding with today's guest. Back in 1970, that song won the Eurovision Song Contest and the singer was the Irish wonderful singer called Donna. And Donna is my special guest today and she's actually in the middle of recording a new album which we'll talk about in a minute. But how on earth did a girl from Derry suddenly get picked to sing that song and who wrote the song? Well, the song was written by two amateur writers. They were compositors in the newspaper. <laughs> so it was an all-round kind of a semi-professional um, entrant. And at that time, each country sent its song and singer or group of singers to take part and represent the country. I was still at school. I had auditioned to take part in the national song contest, the little competition where they would pick their entrance. Um, when I went to Eurovision, I represented all of Ireland, okay. but I was still at school, so I was also an amateur singer. So it was two amateur songwriters, <laughs> an amateur singer, and uh, and it won the Eurovision Song Contest. Now, explain how big that is. Well, it is the biggest uh, song competition in the world. It's the biggest. And it's carried live in all these different yes, countries? Yes, and now it's carried in Australia and parts of America. Well, Celine Dion's career internationally began with the Eurovision Song Contest. ABBA, their career internationally began with the Eurovision Song Contest. Did you actually sing it live or were you sort of lip-syncing it? Oh, no. Was live with the full orchestra. How scary! And how on earth did you get through doing the song? Well, at that time, I, I had only sung in very restricted things like concerts, and I'd done a couple of local televisions, a couple of national televisions with the Irish uh, television station. But I wasn't really known in Ireland. I'd never had a hit record, and I, what just happened to me was in the middle of the song, I'd suddenly realised. 
where I was and what I was doing, I'd get really nervous. My breathing and everything would go. So as I waited to go on, I, I was thinking about my family who were watching this in Northern Ireland and my friends. And I thought, I really can't let them down. I was telling myself off, you know, <laughs> uh, do not mess this up. And I think that thought of who was watching and how much it meant to the people of my town in particular. Um, and it really gave me the strength to get through it. Was that a time when there was a lot of troubles going on in, in Londonderry or Derry? Yes, what we call the troubles were raging on the streets. Uh, they'd really begun in earnest. And my town was one of the epicenters for um, street battles and oh, it was a terrible time. And it really misrepresented worldwide the nature of the people, the nature of the town. It was a town always famous for its music, still is. It's music and culture. We have a Nobel piece, uh, we're Nobel Prize winning uh, poets, writers, and you know, it was always a town where music united the community. So it was a chance for me walking out there to represent the true nature of my people. So what happened to your career then? All of a sudden you've got this amazing coverage, you've got this lovely song. Did I mean, did you suddenly become a superstar? An overnight, overnight star. And it went to number one in most of the European countries and as far away as New Zealand, I think Australia and other countries that I'm only learning about now. Um, yes, we had, I remember we had four uh, crews from different countries in in Europe camping <laughs> on the corridor outside the apartment we lived in. <laughs> I couldn't even go out the door. It was an unbelievable, I think I was in shock for six months. Is it true that uh, Bono recorded that song? He didn't record it. Um, he, I was told it was one of the first songs he sang as a, as a, as a young boy. Um, but then a lot of children loved it and they would sing it no but what actually when when they did their stadium concert in dublin uh he had in the, in the late 90s he had the words up on the screen with the bouncy ball and he got the entire stadium to sing it <laughs> <laughs> so then you do you go on tour then and you have to put a, a show together with lots of other songs well a lot of it in the in the first year was um uh, televisions mm. and yes, some some live events, but sometimes you'd be in three countries in the one day. Mm. It was constant travel, and I was on the first um, international link up with the first live link up between America and England. Um, David Bowie got the best newcomer, and they were just Dionne Warwick was on. It was amazing artists, and they linked up between. Uh, I think it was New York and London. So, I, I mean, I really got to do a lot of wonderful things, Royal Command performances, and and then, of course, learning my trade after the event. I understand you knew somebody who I've had on the program several times now, Roma Downing. She yes. was from the same town. She yeah. was a lot younger than you, though, was she? Or? Yeah, Roma would, yes, she, I think there'd be about, she'd be approximately about... 11 or 12 years younger than me. And her mother and my mother were very good friends. And so Roma was a little apple-cheeked <laughs> uh, little girl. And so her mother would bring her to the concerts. But 
she was always a very um, beautiful child. Yes. And she, I remember she came to my father's funeral in more recent years. But uh, we're so delighted that she's doing so well. So you were a Christian. How did your faith play a role in those early days of your career? I found that, um, well, of course, when you're, when you're 18, which I was, and I wanted to be a, a, a singer. I wanted not, not a singer. I wanted to be a teacher. Oh. I wanted to teach music, and piano was my main instrument, not the voice. Um, and I'd applied for college, depending on the results of my A-levels, mm-hmm. you know, the final year of, of, um, of high school. Um, and then when I won Eurovision, I, I didn't look any different to any of my friends, but I looked about 14. <laughs> and so people in the business, they almost like patted me on the head like I was six. <laughs> and it was a terrible conflict when at 18 you really feel you know your life, what you're going to do, you're an adult. and um, I found it was the Christians I met who treated me as a normal human being, mm. not as a child, not as a commodity, um, but with genuine kindness and understanding. And I became um, a member of the Christian Arts Centre group. Oh, yes, I'm a member of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. And it's a network throughout the world. Yes. So I began um, going to meetings. I was already a, a believer. I sang at the... Um, do you remember the Festival of Lights? Yes, I was there. Yeah. And we walked up uh, Oxford Street. There was yeah. over 20,000 people. It was in reaction, as you know, to um, a blasphemous article in, in a magazine. Yes. And I sang at the Festival of light um, and I met a wonderful lady from America called Jean Darnell yes she just passed away I heard that yeah. and she prayed with me and with my mother mm. and you know I'm, I'm, a, I'm born and raised Catholic I still am Catholic but I have the dearest of friends from other denominations who've been a, such a strength to mm. me uh, through my life and remain so um, I'm still part of Christians in Entertainment, which is a kind of an offshoot of the Christian Arts Centre group. Yeah. Um, so I think definitely they gave me great strength, um, always knowing that I had a Christian community who had my back mm. in show business. You, you then get involved in politics, <laughs> which is, I mean, it's so different from showbiz where... Everybody loves you, and they're all cheering for you. Politics, you're going to make a lot of enemies. But was it running as, as a member of the European Parliament initially? No, I started, actually. Um, I ran for the presidency of Ireland. <laughs> well, I thought, you, as my husband said, you might as well start at the top <laughs> and work your way down. <laughs> but I, I would have to say it was not an easy uh, decision to seek nomination. Was that because you were from the north or was that... Uh, no, I sang for Ireland. I was from the north. Yeah. I sang for Ireland, the whole of Ireland, because um, being from the north, representing the Republic of Ireland in the Eurovision Song Contest. So I, of course, had an Irish passport and Irish citizenship. Um, I think... 
what I realized was the constitution of Ireland at that time. Um, it's a Christian constitution which begins, the preamble begins, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And goes on to say that all power comes from God through the people, through the people they vote for, and back to God. And that, and there were many um, Christian, what is based on natural law, which recognizes that there are laws that are above man-made laws, that are God-given laws. So I had a platform to speak. I had no political experience, nor did I want any. But there were so many people who had very deep concerns, but they couldn't have their voice heard. The man in the street, the woman in the street. I simply, I simply used the platform I had to speak on their behalf, on many different subjects that Christians care about. A roof over your head, a job. That parents are the first teachers of their children. And what's being taught to their children. So I never dreamt I would get nominated to run <laughs> because an independent had never been nominated in the history of Ireland. And I became the first independent nominated. I came third place. I had doubled the votes of the Labour Party, which was the third biggest country party in the country Um, so I thought great now I can go back to normal life but it had really brought together a very strong and very big numbered um, I I got 14% of the national vote and they wanted a continuing voice so they asked me would I run in the European elections So again, I thought, well, I'll run, but I'll never win, but I'll speak. Mm. I'll use the platform and speak. Um, And I actually beat out a junior minister in the government. And suddenly I was a member of the European Parliament. (laughs) For how long? Five years. Wow. So what does that entail? Is that in Strasbourg, is it? Uh, Both Brussels and Strasbourg. We meet and discuss and debate in Brussels. We vote in Strasbourg. So it was um, a battle every day, really. Mm. But I made wonderful friends. We had a wonderful network of um, of believing people in the Parliament of all different denominations and nationalities. What are your thoughts? I know this is controversial, but what are your thoughts on Britain leaving the EU? I have thoughts on the European Union which nobody should ever um, fight against anything that brings people together and promotes um, unity and understanding. Also, at the same time, when power is held, concentrated in any institution, and you cannot correct decisions made by that power, Uh, where there's no checks and balances, then that also must be questioned deeply. It was questioned deeply by the people of the United Kingdom. Um, It's also been questioned by other citizens in other nations, but they don't have the vote to make it publicly known. But the people in England had deep concerns they voted, and they voted to leave. 
their politicians are respecting the voice of the people. In Ireland, we were made to vote again on two treaties. So the people voted against the treaty, we had to vote again. And the next treaty they voted against it, we had to vote again. So democracy is is a fragile, um, essential uh, gift, if you like. Lives have been uh, lost on behalf of democracy because people, you want to know as a an ordinary person that what you feel or you fear or you need, that when you speak, someone that you've elected is listening and responds. They can't always answer your problem, but let them hear you. So democracy, also, democracy is much more difficult than a dictatorship. Mm. <laughs> it's much easier to have a dictatorship, <laughs> but democracy is crucially important. And I would say that the United Kingdom, there would be no European Union today if it weren't for the bravery of the people of the United Kingdom. They really need respect. Now you are married, your hubby's sitting just to the side there, and you went to live in a place called Alabama was it, it for is. a while, it which <laughs> would be quite a shock for a young Irish Lass, I mean, you probably had heard horror stories about the Deep South and all that. Why did you go and what did you learn? My husband was offered a job there uh, with a Catholic uh, teaching network called Eternal Word Television Network. That was Mother Angelica. Yes, Mother Angelica, a feisty Italian woman (laughs) um, who was scandalised that her local television network where she did little teachings was showing what she considered to be a blasphemous film mm. so she spoke with the head of the network and she said you know you can't you can't show this hmm. um, or I can't record here again so the head of the network said well if you don't record here you won't record anywhere because oh he was the only show in town so she said oh really <laughs> <laughs> so she drove back with her sister to the convent and they were building a garage or a garage as they say so she said to the um, foreman she said can you make that longer and wider (laughs) and he said well how many cars you putting in mother (laughs) she said I'm making a television station (laughs) knowing they didn't have a television in the convent they knew she knew nothing about television Mm -hmm. and neither did the builders but they made it wider and longer and it is now the biggest global teaching network in the world. And were you one of the presenters or what? Not initially. Um, my husband was a hotelier throughout his life. And she wanted to, she had thousands and thousands of people coming to see the studio. And she said, I don't want them to come and look at cameras. I want them to come and encounter the Lord. And so she wanted to set up a pilgrimage program so that they would come there and be spiritually um, educated. And, and so uh, she also wanted to set up a retreat center. So she thought with his experience in the hotel business that he would be the person to do it. Uh, so that's why we went. And when we got there, 
they didn't have any music. They only had talking heads, as they call it. Um, no music. And she felt that there was a need for that with young people. So she asked me would I do a television program. And I said I would, as long as I could take the children to school and pick them up. And so that's what I did. I did a, a television program and it went out globally. And did you sing your most famous song or did you do also just Catholic songs? Well, we had begun um, sing the first, uh, the first uh, series we did. Um, I just began writing and my husband and I began writing songs. Most of her crew and staff at that time were not Catholic. And almost all of my guests were uh, not Catholic. Uh, we had wonderful artists. Okay. We had Phil Kagey. Yeah. Um, we had so many that now, if I had a second, I could remember. <laughs> um, but wonderful Christian artists and writers uh, who came there. Eventually, you had the decision to come back to, to the UK or come back to Ireland. Um, are you depressed? I moved back here 11 months ago and sort of it's like coming to a foreign land having lived in America for so long and with the Brexit problems and all the disagreements that are going on are you a little depressed with what's going on in, in the UK? I think that because I I, I, maybe in the time I was in the European Union, uh, they were certainly in the process of writing a constitution for Europe. And in that constitution, they would not make reference to God. Mm. And they did not make reference to the Christian roots of the European Union. And of course, as we know, it was founded by Christian Christians. And that was a warning light, if you like, um, because once, and, and perhaps they were doing it because they felt it might cause too many problems and you're better in a secular world. But in a secular society, there's still a longing in people for, uh, there's something drives us to something more than just the secular, something more than just the material. And people substitute it with other things. Um, for myself, I think it's essential to recognize the right for Christian freedom and Christian conscience. So I think once you get that pushing away or um, not highlighting the fact that there, there's a need for spiritual life, then you're only you're only really preparing yourself for problems. You've had a pretty incredible life, and if you're a movie producer, I would look at Dana's life to say what a great film it would make. Mm -hmm. But what would you say is the biggest lesson that you've learned through all these ups and downs? In my own life, we've come through really challenging times. And I think forgiveness is crucial. Forgiveness of whoever or whatever it is that has deeply hurt or wounded you. Because if you don't forgive, and, and you know, it worried me that I wouldn't feel forgiveness. And 
my husband said, well, you don't have to feel forgiveness to forgive. And if you pray for someone who has deeply hurt or wounded you, you can't hate them to pray for them. And, and something that also came to me was um, the Lord's Prayer that we say most of us every day of our lives. Forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us, you know. We just have to ask God to help us to forgive, to love and forgive as he loves and forgives us. You know, because we ask for it from him. And I think forgiveness is terribly crucial to your to your life to be able to forgive. I want to thank Donna very much for being on the program and we're going to go out again with a snip from all kinds of everything but may I tell you before we oh, finish yes, please do. that suddenly out of the blue I was asked to go back into the recording studio and to do a new commercial album which I truly felt I would not ever do again and it's almost like my life is going in a circle <laughs> I'm back in the studio working with wonderful musicians we're in the studio that Ennio Marconi used for all his where, where are you big, recording? in yeah. Rome Okay. and we have the, um, the bass player from Blondie <laughs> the drummer from Tears for Fears um, we have the uh, keyboard player from Oasis and the new Jimi Hendrix on guitar and the, and the San, Santa Cecilia string orchestra playing on it. So it's just a, a wonderful experience for me, also a bit terrifying. But please remember, I'm going back to two vocals, say a little prayer that I can, sure. I can do it. Have you got a name for the album? Not yet, but my name, I know we say Dana, but in, I know in America they say Dana. Dana, yes. D-A-N-A. But it'll be on a, an album, a label called F.O.D., which stands for Field of Dreams. <laughs> well, Dana or Dana, thank you so much for being on the program. It's a pleasure to talk to you. God bless you. have been listening to Front Page Radio with international journalist Dan Wooding. If you would like a free subscription to the Assist News service, log on to www.assistnews.net. And if you would like to write to Dan, send an email to assistnews at aol.com. Tune in again for another edition of Front Page Radio on this same station.